remove your helmet and tell me your name. Who are you? Chief Whooper of sorry sons of Beer drinker among beer drinkers. Truster of no one. And I will stomp a mud hole in your and walk it dry. Stone Cold Steve Austin. And tonight, I unleash hell! Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet on Strathclyde! What's happening everybody and welcome to this, another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, back live, 14 stories high in Glasgow, we survived the beasts from the east and now we're going to be your pests from the west this lovely Wednesday evening. I am your host this week, Stephen Wilson, back in the hosting chair after a too long of an absence. And joining me is a panel who you may be familiar with, as they were here last week. First, directly to my left, he was originally the modern-day Maharaja, then he became the modern-day Botchamania, now we call him the modern-day Botcharaja. He's fresh off of advancing in the cruiserweight tournament, David Hockney! Hello, hello. How's it going, David? I'm the Botcha Rager now. I think that <laughs> I think that will stick now. Yeah, it was good. That, that, that was that was a quite a lot to go. Get and about. I'm very close to the cruiserweight classic final or the at WrestleMania, so it's you've just got Mustafa Ali to get through. It's no spoilers. It's exciting Spoiler times. times. Yes, absolutely. Good to have you back, Dave. Hello. Uh, and next on the panel, getting a slightly less and. Intricate introduction. Wearing the, the appropriate attire for this evening, the president of the Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society, Andy Mitchell. Hey, how's it going? No bad manager yourself? Yeah, good, good. Good, good, good. And also joining us today for the full show this week. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be pleased to hear. With no technical issues, it wasn't that bad because he is back. It's Alan McManus. Hi, how are you doing? No bad. McLucas, sorry. McLucas. Oh, Botchamania! <laughs> hey! You're Botchamania now. Oh, God. Alan, how's it going? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. And just making it on time after being at the Rock Fan Club convention before the show, somebody call his mama. It's the Jobby Jobber. <laughs> Ross McLeod. <laughs> Oh, what is that? I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, how's it going, Ross? Oh, don't speak to me, Stephen. <laughs> hey, that wasn't my idea. It was the man to my right. It's the EP. It's Quacky It wasn't me. You call him Shaggy now. <laughs> Somebody call his mum. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, how's it going? It's good that we survived the beast from the east and we're back in the studio as opposed to on our, in our homes on the mobile phones. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep. And no big long pauses. <laughs> hey, don't get me started on that. That was just a temporary mind 
frozen moment. <laughs> like, hey, it all happens to the best of us. Yes, so if you're listening to us for the first time, we are on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. So give us a like, retweet anything we're doing, and comment as we go along. Right, tonight, as you may know from the obvious introduction, that we will be talking about the one, the only, the man many people class as the most, the biggest character to ever be in professional wrestling. 15 years on from his unfortunate retirement due to neck problems, we're talking about the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, this may be an obvious question. There's Stone Cold fans in the house here, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm. One, look, right. one look of anger in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mind Stone Cold. I just prefer the rock. I'm not saying that, actually. Mm. Con- controversy but yes in tonight's show know you're old jabroni <laughs> that's plenty jack <laughs> <laughs> yeah so tonight we'll be going through pretty much the whole of Austin's career mostly by briefly talking about his pre-WWE career and going into his most iconic feuds Hart Foundation Vince McMahon The Rock <laughs> yeah. all, all to come in tonight's suplex retweet so let's start with before he entered the WWE ring let's talk about his pre-WWE days well, we obviously know more about WWE games, but just before we start, how much do you know about his WCW and DCW days, guys? Probably when he still had hair as uh, stunning <laughs> Steve Austin. I think that's the, probably the most I remember from the, the old Stone Cold days. Yes, he was stunning Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. For anyone not familiar with his WCW days, he was part of the stunning the Hollywood Blondes with a Mr. Brian Pillman. If you, when we hear about what happened later, and their careers, this will seem pretty weird to people. These two were a tag team, but <laughs> yes, they were a tag team. So Austin was also part of a stable in WCW known as the Dangerous Alliance, along with some big names such as Rick Rude, Michael Hayes, Medusa, and it was managed by... Paul, Paul Heyman. Heyman. Yes, Paul Heyman. Could you believe it? Stone Cold was one of the original Paul Heyman guys. Mm, I can believe that. Well, if you look at the guys who have been Paul Heyman guys in the past, it's all iconic names, and Austin being on that list. All rebellious characters, too, in a, in a kind of way. Mm-hmm. Would you class Curtis Axel as a rebellious character? <laughs> well, he's the only exception, yeah. <laughs> well, what, about, well. what about Heidenreich? <laughs> oh, he was kind of rebellious, volatile a bit. Nathan Jones, Matt Morgan, you know, there's plenty of characters mm-hmm. in there. But yeah. Ryback. He, yeah, we, we, talk, we did talk about Ryback there. But yeah, he was part of the Dangerous Alliance, so his... WCW repertoire was pretty good. It's surprising why many people don't talk about, it. and he doesn't talk about it very. He wouldn't talk about it very fondly. Do you know particularly why he doesn't? He wouldn't probably talk about his WCW. But did he not get fired through the mail when he was injured? Yeah, he was fired when he was injured. There was also a lot of stuff where he was promised, like uh, before he was at Hollywood Blondes, he was promised a single run, and uh, Brian Pillman came up to him and said, "Oh, so we need to think of a finish of a tag team." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Well, they didn't see him as a they didn't see him as a marketable character either, which is crazy to think think about. This was in 1995 it was released, so you look about three years later, and he's headlining WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So I think Bischoff himself was quite. It probably one of Bischoff's regrets. I think if Bischoff was to talk about it, but it wasn't the end for Austin. He was then contacted by his old friend Mr. Heyman down at ECW, and that's where we got to see Austin really start to come into his prime. Um, where he really started to trial the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Has anybody seen some of the, the uh, promos that Austin shot in, in ECW, guys? Yeah. Uh, it's like strange seeing him with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> but we were starting to get that type of character that we know today from Austin. He was very in-your-face, unscripted. And it was just 
good to kind of see him just he, he, he bashed WCW something awful though it's weird to think though he only had two matches in ECW yeah. and he lost both of them yeah he's still just because his promos were that good he seems to be well remembered yeah because uh, Heyman wanted to put the title on him but he said that he would rather be the hunter rather than be hunted and I think that was something he'd cross yeah, over with somebody that pursues yeah. the title and you know as we've seen somebody that pursues the title and wins over the fans they usually get probably the most positive reactions yeah. well you get a lot of examples like that in wrestling where a lot of people are better suited to being the hunter and you find when they get the belt it's both a mixture of they don't know what to do and WWE any other wrestling company doesn't know exactly how to book them as a champion we booked him many people would class Daniel Bryan as a great example of that mm. as well somebody who's better suited Dean Ambrose CM as well Punk. yes yeah. well Punk was a champion for a long time and it kind of worked better for him well, Dean Ambrose I think is a really good example mm. of something like that somebody they were craving yeah, to be the champion and the minute they put the belt on him it's like it's just oh yeah it was kind of it, it's like the it's like the curse of being a face superstar pursuing a title it's like okay you've won the title mm-hmm. what next mm-hmm. like what are you supposed to do with it yeah, it was like Dave was saying about Punk. He held it for four hundred plus days in his best reign. But the reigns before that, like Dave was saying, it was <laughs> I like he was nothing. just kind of the smiley guy. Like, I don't do drugs, but you know, if you want to do them, that's fine. When he became kind of <laughs> a kind of a tweener, and then came on a full on heel, he was much much better as champion. But you know, his first four runs were just duds. Yeah. It just uh, the year he had that four hundred thirty-four title reign. Mm. He was still playing second fiddle to Cena and The Rock, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a shame. And I think it's just because of that lack of respect. I think that's kind of what made him feel mm-hmm. underappreciated. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of similar to probably what Orson was feeling when he was in WCW towards just the later days. Uh, but it was around the time in WCW as well. Uh, it was Ross mentioned had two matches. One of them was against a Mister Mikey Whitbrick, follower of the show. <laughs> Yay! <Twitter>. <laughs> <laughs> he follows me as well. And myself as well. Yeah, he follows a lot of people. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Whitbrick did the move known as the Whippy Snapper which people would also now know as the exact same as the Stone Cold Stunner. Now, St- Steve Austin has said various times in various podcasts, various interviews, that he got the Stunner idea from Michael Hayes. However, not, not many people know that he actually learned the Stunner while feuding with Whitbrick, which is an interesting fact. Did any of you guys know about that before we started talking about this show? No. I personally didn't before I started researching No, right? no I didn't know either. No, like I said, I just saw the no. notes and I was like, why is Michael Whitbrick's uh, name in there? <laughs> Just because he, he because he likes us, <laughs> he He's follows a us. <laughs> if you're listening, Mikey, thank to, you. <laughs> I didn't know you you created it first. Apologies. <laughs> but it's interesting. ECW is the point where you see a lot of the guys in ECW in the past. They started fine tuning their characters in ECW. And that's where they got over to a lot of people. The Dudleys are a great example of that. Mm. Rob Van Dam, Steve Austin's a great example of that as well. Even though he was only with the company for a little less than a year, and obviously he moved to WWE in late 1995 is which we're going to start our main part of today's show talking about his early days in WWE now everybody kind of knows about his early days because it was a point that not so many people are fond of Austin probably in particular was when he was originally paired with Ted DiBiase and as a million dollar corporation broke up he was the man brought in the ringmaster <laughs> guys let's go around the panel Alan I've not heard too much from yourself what's your thoughts on the ringmaster wasn't his best work, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a different time, obviously, for Austin at that time. He was known about, he was a technical type wrestler at that time. So kind of, they thought that the ringmaster gimmick would have worked for him. Yeah. But as we've seen, it didn't really have that kind of same effect, you know. But he, he had he had a, a lot of good matches in that point in time. He had a, he was obviously he debuted pay per view in the Royal Rumble. He fought at WrestleMania, you know. 
against uh, Savio Vega that year, so... Because <laughs> he wasn't he supposed to be in the final four and got accidentally eliminated in uh, Royal Rumble. I think he did, actually. Was that not his first one? Yeah, because yeah. he, yeah, oh, he, he slipped in his podcast. Yeah, he, he botched it. Uh, he was <laughs> meant to, uh, with Fatou, but he slipped out the ring. <laughs> There's been times where people just slip out the Rumble, like Alex Riley in 2011 was another example. Yes, yeah. but let's compare these two examples. I think, uh, Stone Cold was meant to be in the final four. Alex Riley probably wasn't. <laughs> I think you said, because uh, it was Rikishi, wasn't it? You said he was yeah. a very oily man. <laughs> and uh, you kind of lose grip when you're And he's quite to. large, isn't he? <laughs> So yeah. he's a he's a large oily man. <laughs> well, those ropes get a bit slippery. Yeah, it's a ruddy gag. <laughs> I, I do want to quickly say about the ring. I know it's like not he doesn't you know, appreciate it as much as Austin, but I really like that promo. That first promo came out when he's like. Everybody put your hands on the screen and you will actually touch greatness. I think that's a really good promo. <laughs> Imagine if they did that today. I think it might actually, people might actually do that. It would, be, it, would, it would be interesting. But what we got is, eventually, he did eventually split up from Ted DiBiase, losing that feud to Savio Vega, which then led to DiBiase getting fired. DiBiase would obviously go to become a staple of the NWO. He was actually the fourth member of the NWO, which was quite... Weird if you think back in time that Teddy Biazzi was the fourth man. He was basically the briefcase carrier. He was like the Rick Rude of the NWO in the early days. <laughs> he was the accountant. Yeah, he was the accountant. <laughs> no, I, IRS eventually went over and became the accountant. Okay. Oh. Not not actually an accountant, but... But yeah, be the, the treasurers, as it were. Right. So, so Austin kind of went off on his own and tried to find his own way. Now, do you... Ca- <laughs> Do you remember, any of you remember some of the, the nicknames that he, he wanted to have before he came to Stone Cold? Frosty McChill? Or Chilly McChill? Some, no, no, uh, some of the ones that WWE came up with, yeah. Or or just uh, like Sub-Zero Steve Austin? Was that one? Could you imagine Frosty McChill? <laughs> and the glass sat as it here comes. Oh, it's fairly Frosty good. McChill Steve Austin. That's like Glacier in WCW. I mean, that's how bad it was. But, but many would agree that Austin's first big moment in wrestling would come in the 1996 where he was scheduled and did eventually win the King of the Ring and that's where we're going to talk quite in length with our next part of the show the 96 King of the Ring now Austin was obviously the winner of the King of the Ring he did beat Jake the Snake Roberts in the final now to many people this is a lot of people's early introduction to Jake because a lot of people younger age didn't really see him in his prime but I think it was fair to say that this wasn't Jake the Snake Roberts at his best. No, no it was not. No. No. I mean, you're talking, what, years after he was, like, doing classic matches at WrestleMania, and this was, like, almost ten years later, was it? He was way past his prime. Well, for anybody not familiar with Jake the Snake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts was had a bit of a problem with alcohol, drugs, essentially. Mm. So he came back to WWE in 1996 as a born-again Christian, as he was outside of the ring. So he got to the final with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin beat him, and we got Stone Cold was to deliver a promo. Now let's go around the panel and let's talk about the let's talk about this promo and this memories on that one. Ross, what's as a Mr. Rockman? <laughs> I'll start with you. I mean, what's your memories of this promo that Austin cut at the 1996 Royal Rumble? One of the most famous promos of all time. Yeah, I actually read in the Titan Shard book that he no he bust his lip in the second round match with Mark Marrow. Mm-hmm. He got back with about four seconds to spare. Asked him, what was Jake's promo? Oh, he mentioned John 316. He went, right, cool, I'll work with that, and just went to the ring. So he kind of just came up with it during the match itself. Yeah, freak. So it is weird to think, just a case of if he was, you know, 
if, imagine he get back with five minutes to spare and he had time to overthink it and overanalyse it like re- a lot of things in wrestling are nowadays. Yeah. Whereas just it was on a whim. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it was 316. This, if MD has never seen Austin's promo at the King of the Ring, go into YouTube, look it up. It is one of the finest bit of promo work you'll ever see. 316 is obviously a big part of it. Andy, you're, pro- you're adequately dressed in the Austin 316 t-shirt. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts on this promo? I mean, it's amazing. I've seen it so many times. I pretty much know it word for word. I'm not going to do it. Oh. <laughs> I just love it when he says, give him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he had and give him, get him back to his pride when he used to say to Jake Rollins. But no, it's great. It's just, it's something you won't see today where it's like, he was given that moment. It's like, come up with something mm-hmm. and he done it. And then before you know it, He's selling T-shirts all over all over the world and stuff. Because the King of the Ring matches themselves were they weren't that great, they weren't that memorable. It was just that promo alone is why everybody thinks of the King of the Ring. Yeah, it, pro- it probably wasn't the finest tournament in terms of in-ring no. wrestling. You know, mm. I mean, as we talked about, he had the final with Jake. It wasn't the finest match. Obviously, Jake was not at his prime. Does it no go about six or seven minutes? It wasn't that that long a match. I don't think. No, they were like quick, quick matches. No, that was the time where they had a lot of just straight up quick solid matches yeah <laughs> nothing that'll go for like match of the year or anything they actually went on for for 4 minutes 28 seconds Jesus Christ not even the, that was not even as long as like Lesnar Goldberg last year yeah. <laughs> did they also come up with uh, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so or else did you say that before because I'm under the impression they might have came up with that on think, King of the Ring as well I think, I think he was saying that's the bottom line no it's like yeah. that way but I think he said that's the bottom line as the ringmaster once or twice alright but it was big thing for WWE they mm. thought we hit the money on this one because Andy's obviously wearing the t-shirt. That t-shirt sold like crazy. This is a cheap knockoff one as well. Yeah. So. And it's so simple as well. Like, it's just standard black, white, and then some words yeah. and a couple of numbers. That's about it. It's still high selling t-shirt, numbers. isn't it, today? Hmm? I think so, yes. You're the stats man. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, compared to like with other merch these days, you know, they're often like multicolored and with fancy logos yeah, on them and stuff. Know, Simplicity at its finest, you know, I think that's what people want. I think the only other best selling shirt was the the NWO mm-hmm. shirt, is that right? Yeah. And that's black and white as well, it's just mm-hmm. plain. It's a good yeah. shirt. But both of them have been blown away right now because the most uh, <laughs> selling shirt on WWEshop.com right now is. Rusev Day. Happy Rusev ah. Day! <laughs> Not the Drew Gulak for for president t-shirt. No, it's uh that's his new campaign. Get uh <laughs> get that t-shirt the top. Get his seller. t-shirt as the top seller exactly. There you go, Dave. Yeah. That's what the, you, that's, the, you, you need to go into the next board meeting. And yeah. Ask for that. <laughs> hey, I'm already trying to blag a WrestleMania match here, so um, it'll be a big ask. But yeah, um, going back to the promo, yeah, I think it's the fact that you know he literally sort of did his own twist on Sam's and John three sixteen, the Bible essentially, which is like. Well, that's the part that because he was a. Because Jake was meant to be a born again Christian, yeah, obviously. So it was it was well timed, you know. Well timed, especially who he's going up against, and it was just short but simple, and it's probably one of the most memorable promos ever. Well, the thing as well about it that many people may forget is obviously in wrestling you always go, "What if? What if this had happened?" Mm. Well, one of the things as well is Austin was not originally penciled in <laughs> to win the 1996 King of the Ring. Can anybody in the panel tell me who was meant to win this that year's King of the Ring? Triple H. Triple H. Yep. Triple H was supposed to get the big push that year and win the King of the Ring, but it was for the in- the infamous incident in Madison Square Garden, the cut and call. Yeah. Triple H was obviously... Tr- Michaels was the champ at that point in time. The other two had left, so who got all the brunt of the punishment? <laughs> Triple, H. Triple H. Oh, it's a shame what happened to that guy. Oh, mm. God. He would never get anywhere. Because that was the year of WrestleMania 12, and I remember that match. I think he had like a... 
a one minute thirty squash match where he lost to the Ultimate Warrior. That was bef- that was before the curtain call. To be that fair. was before the curtain call. The curtain oh, call gosh. was probably about a month or so before that. I think I'm right in saying. Uh, yeah, because Diesel was still and he was fighting Undertaker at the time. Yes. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. as discussed last week. Do you think right. this is where I got the idea to bury our people? He's <laughs> 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 like, oh, it's been done to me. Now I'm going to get my retribution. Vengeance. But we'll go, we'll go quickly again around this one again. What what would that have been like? If Austin had not won this one, what, how things would have gone, man? What Triple H could have had that big spot, and maybe things would have changed again. Austin 316 might not have been a thing. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what wrestling would have been like if we never got Austin 316? I think it works out better as well because then Triple H ditched the you know the blue blood gimmick and ended up with Shawn Michaels and DX. So when he won it the year later, it felt more like Triple H's time then. It felt like he was breaking out from Shawn Michaels' shadow. And his, was his theme song not at that time my time? No, no, no. No, this no, was my when he still had... I, my uh, time's a bit later on. Oh, right, okay. He still had, like, the classical opera who was doing the Blue Blood stick. Yeah. Right. Because he came out with the, that weird attire. It's like, yeah, it's so... It's like I an mean, opera singer you're yeah. from Victorian times, yeah. Is that one... Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of the song. Well, not exactly, you know, classy people here, so... Would you prefer Blue Blood Triple H or did you prefer Jean-Paul Levesque? Christ, thankfully I've never seen John Paul Levick. <laughs> French accent. <laughs> it's the worst French accent I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a terrorising sort of guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, is, it, is, it is amazing the fact that, you know, Austin, if he hadn't got there, I mean, if, the list of achievements he, he got in the seven years that followed that, you know, would never have oh. came, you know. Mm-hmm. We'd have never got all those great moments with McMahon, which we'll talk about later on. We'd have never got the... the, the Leading the invasion, many great WrestleMania moments, you know. So it's amazing what the King of the Ring was essentially his launching pad, as it should have been for like years to come. Well, but I was just going to say that's the thing though. Like a lot of people remember it as being like he done the promo and that was it. He was off to the races, but he didn't. He was still in pre-shows for the next few months. It wasn't until I know we're moving on to this next, but it's like Bret Hart came into the picture is when. Yeah, he started to get a push. Was he not on the SummerSlam like free for all with Yoko's in it? Yeah, he was 96? like in pre-shows and stuff. It mm-hmm. wasn't pushed straight away. It still took time, mm-hmm. but you know, it was it was very uh, organic. It's like modern day King of the Rings almost. It's like <laughs> <laughs> like the winner just does, went on to do nothing for ages, and mm-hmm. then you know, with a bit of luck, they'll get a, a resurgence down the line. Does anybody else miss the King of the Ring? Yes. 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 I kind of do, and I don't. But it's never memorable anymore. Uh, they just need to. They just need to like. Give it purpose, you know. Give the winner something to work with. Am I right to assume the money in the bank has kind of replaced it? Yeah, yeah. But similar on the way, the King of the Ring didn't guarantee you the tra- the championship shot. It guaranteed you a push. Yeah, always, unless your name was Billy Gunn. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> or Wade Barrett. Yeah. It was a case of if we like you, the King of the Ring is going to get. If you, if they announced it beforehand that King of the Ring was getting your title shot down the line, you knew right somebody big's going to win. Whereas you know with Alexa. Edge and Billy Gunn, like you said, it wasn't out and out announced like you're getting a title match. Yeah. Whereas we cut Angle and brought Lesnar, it was oh the winner goes to SummerSlam. Yeah, it was a bit. And in more recent King of the Rings, it was basically an opportunity for a gimmick change, yeah. like with uh, obviously Booker T and Sheamus, and most recently Wade Barrett. You yeah. know, it was basically they needed a new gimmick, and being a king was was the one. Seems great when it's a standalone pay per view. Yeah, but I think the last two King of the Rings as well. Well, you're out there, Quacko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Quacko's just dying in the corner. There. No, uh, <laughs> they can only wish. <laughs> we were talking about like it was Austin's launching pad, and the next year it seemed like Triple H's time. The past two King of the Rings, it looked like Morrison was set for a push. He lost it to Sheamus, and then it seemed like oh well, Neville's just burst onto the scene, and he lost to Wade Barrett. And both both Sheamus and Wade Barrett dropped the King gimmick within like three four months. 
about that, yeah. But then, obviously, he had Morrison and Sheamus, but then Sheamus beats Morrison, but then at TLC that year, Morrison gets it back, so it's just another victim of 50-50 booking. Yeah, and then Morrison eliminates him at the Chamber, so it, it seemed to be like every match except the King of Ring final. Just make it Morrison like so one-sided, and then it gives the other person a story. Yeah. Before we go too far off topic, I'm going to quickly conclude this segment on this, but... Austin's promo at this King of the Ring was it the greatest promo of all time I'm going to start with David I think for its time yes until maybe the pipe bomb also but I think in general for its simplicity and its shortness I would say yes Hmm. Andy I feel like yeah like uh, as David was saying it's like the simplicity and that it was just right to the point you know it was what two minutes he got across what he needed to do and that was it short short and sweet brilliant Alan? Absolutely. To be honest, it probably was like the original pipe bomb. You know, if you think about it. So, I would say absolutely. Mm. Ross? Yeah, just for its complete simplicity, like, you know, it launched a billion t-shirts for Christ's sake. It was, like JR always says, maximise your minutes. He got on, he said what he needed to, he got off. Kind of like me here. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also as well, unbeknownst to someone, and the 316 was meant to refer to the Stone Cold Stunner. Three words, 16 letters. (laughs) <laughs> mind blown exactly what I was thinking mind blown does it also work for don't trust anyone don't don't trust trust David you're a stats man count right give me a sec <laughs> that's what I get told when I was growing up don't trust anyone well David does that count let's move on to the next part of our trip in Austin mad <laughs> for real that is it yeah so as we kind of touched upon there he didn't really get pushed to the moon straight away he had to kind of fade in a wee bit but then he eventually hit his mark when he started calling out Brett the Hitman Hart. Now at this point in time, Brett the Hitman Hart was taking a hiatus from the ring. He'd lost the Iron Man match at WrestleMania that year to Michaels and he hadn't been seen since then. So Austin calling him out kind of felt like a big statement because obviously the Hitman had been about for so long, you know. It was quite something for him to go for him right away, you know. So what's your thoughts on him making that statement, you know, to Brett the Hitman Hart? I think that that was his ticket to main event stardom. But wasn't it the story behind the scenes that Bret Hart wanted to work with him? He was like, I want to work with this guy. Yeah, I think I, I'm sure that's what it was. He wanted he wanted to feud with Austin, you know. And it came, they came across as a bit of a match made in heaven for a lot of things, you know. Bret, Bret was kind of like that kind of straight shooting guy, the good guy, everybody loved him. And Austin was this kind of redneck who was running his mouth and just like, oh, I can kind of... I'll do what I want, you know. So it's kind of that match made in heaven that we saw with the two of them. I do love the uh, promo I put in the S in front of Hitman, and that's what you get as my exact thoughts on Brett the Hitman Hart. <laughs> Brilliant, bro. That's a that's that's a great quote as well. I mean, I mean, obviously the thing about it though is Brett wasn't didn't return till Survivor Series 1996. So Austin kind of had to have the feud carry the feud himself for a month. Well, not entirely himself. He did carry it in a moment that I touched upon in our greatest ever Raw moment show mm. was when he went face-to-face with Kevin Kelly in the way with Brian Pillman. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, Pillman's Got a Gun segment. Yeah, the Pillman's Got a Gun segment now. Andy, David, you were on that Raw show, so I'll go away for you quickly at this point in time. I'll move over to Alan and Ross in this one. What's your memories of Pillman's Got a Gun? I, I, I just remember the outcry after it, you know. WWE wasn't in full-fledged attitude here emoji yet, but they were starting to take more risks. Mm-hmm. And it was just the the outrage for the parents and people watching at home like, Jesus Christ, you know, that was a gun on a wrestling show, kids watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Which also, 
something else that annoys me about the filming's got a gun thing. What's that? Why has no one ever brought a gun to a no DQ match? <laughs> <laughs> I think they want the wrestlers to wrestle what? maybe again. Sports <laughs> <laughs> entertainment. Well, I mean, sports entertainment, we're going for the sports, but you know, you want a sporting advantage. Like, lie down. I've got a gun, you do not. Oh. <laughs> Remember, don't try this at home. <laughs> this has got very, very dark. Alan, let's move away from the killing in the ring. What was your thoughts in the segment? I just remember being shocked by it, and at that point, that's when my mum said, you're not watching wrestling anymore. <laughs> so I went, oh. I was in a hiatus for a few years at that point. Yeah. Um, was, the so PC, was the PC police still around 20 years ago? Mum said about Catholic, she was like, that's none of that no more. No. Alan, <laughs> Alan's mum turns heel. <laughs> Don't worry, I won. <laughs> As a controversial segment it was, it was a springboard to the a fantastic feud they had with Brett. And the match of Survivor Series, standout of the night. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say it's better than the WrestleMania one. Yeah, well, as a technical bout, because the thing with the WrestleMania one we'll talk about in a, in a, in a few minutes, uh, there was a, there was a lot of other things that really stood out to the WrestleMania match. The Survivor Series was just a straight one-on-one wrestling match, and you know, worked perfectly. You know, Austin was really showing what he could do against probably the best in the business at that point in time, Bret Hart. And obviously, that feud, the feud would continue. Austin lost that match, but we would go on many, many months later to the Royal Rumble, where one year. After slipping out of the ring, <laughs> WWE went with him and he won that Rumble match. The One of the true Iron Men of the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Number 5, 45 minutes. What a show, what a show. People won't remember how good a match he had because of how the match ended. Yeah, but, but he was brilliant in that it's, match. It's great. I, I remember, it's been a year since I watched it. Was it 10 eliminations as well? Not, not that much. No, 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 no it was 10, 10 was eliminations. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. Was checked it 10? It. Was it 10? Yeah, checked it last Oh, night. yeah, sorry, it was 10, yeah, because Kane was 11. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the big dog was 12. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for our set piece, yeah. King. Yeah. Yeah. Big dog. The no. big dog. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who listened that last week, that's how we went out on a... On a <laughs> <laughs> with the big dog. Big dog. Big dog. But yeah, anyone think that during Raw this week when he came out? No! I thought the whole segment. I will be now. now. (laughs) People remember it just for how the the match ended, for him getting eliminated and then coming back in and throwing him out. That that was a a great piece of storytelling in Rumble history. No one had ever thought, well, the refs aren't looking. I'm just going to jump back in. You know, Mm. it was great. The year before, two years before, we had no feet, both feet must touch the floor. And then we got, if the refs don't see it, doesn't count. Yeah. Yep. There's so many good moments. But does it count if the fans see it? Or should it count if the fans see it? No. No, because no. every decision ever would be overturned in wrestling. There would be no heels in wrestling. Like if the ref gets knocked out, the fans can't count exactly. one, two, three. Does it count? <laughs> yeah, he makes a fair point. Makes a fair point. But yeah, that was kind of... At that point, he should have been going to WrestleMania to fight for the title. However, there was various things that went on between that Royal Rumble and that WrestleMania. Oh, Michael's lost his smile. Undertaker got a shot at Sid. Sid somehow got in the picture. There was Vader. Everything was going on, but we did get Hart and Austin again with Ken Shamrock as a special referee. Because that's what that match needed. That's what Survivor Series was missing. An angry, average MMA fighter. You've got to tell him that to his face. Ken, if you're listening, sorry. <laughs> Ken, Ken Shamrock is a very scary man when you, when you look back at the stuff he was doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, you wouldn't want to 
come face to face with an MMA fighter who could literally knock you out. But yeah, <laughs> I think he would kill you. Just, oh yeah, kill you as well. That ankle lock, just his facial expressions. Mm-hmm. He would. Get, well, I think he could cripple you with that ankle lock as well. But yeah, we briefly talked about this match last week when David was talking about Undertaker matches. As this was the match that kind of stole the show at that particular one res- WrestleMania. That one match WrestleMania. Mm. I mean, one of the most iconic matches I think in wrestling history I think it's fair to say yep. for the moment at the end more than anything else see when Ric Flair did uh, Wrestlemania's top 10 matches uh, before Wrestlemania 19 so bear in mind this was about 15 years ago he he was uh, well the WWE Superstars actually ranked that match as the 6th best in the top 10 matches of Wrestlemania history but bear in mind that was only up to 19 mm-hmm. so but obviously we've had 15 years worth of uh, more great matches since but yeah it was number 6 out of 10 back then yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's the image at the end of it, for any of you who's not familiar with it, with Austin in blood. Austin. His face tripping with blood in the sharpshooter. It's iconic, you know. It just kind of it made him as badass. Mm. I think it's fair to say. Is that not when the uh, the double turn occurred as yeah. well? Like, Brett was the sort of, obviously the face character, Austin was the heelish redneck. And then as, they, as the match sort of progressed, you know, Brett was doing more sort of dirty tactics and the... Austin get hit with the ring bell and that's when he started bleeding and then as it sort of came about it was it sort of morphed into Austin being a, a heroic p- character who would never give up and Brett sort of became a dastardly heel who would do anything to win it's a perfectly executed double turn I mean they've yeah. done they've tried it many times in the past it's only success wor- but I think that is the one that people will if you look up double turn that's the one that people refer to mm. any other good double I think the only other good double turn I've seen in history was like 2013, I think. Was that Ziggler and Del Rio? Ziggler and Del Rio, yeah. yeah. It's also the Rock and Mankind at uh, Survivor Series 98. Rock and Hogan as well. Rock Hogan at oh. 18, yep. Mm. That was kind of a turn and then a turn and then a turn again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was confusing at one point. Like, like, Toronto, like, Toronto, I like him, I hate him, I can't Toronto was a smarky crowd as well. Yeah, yeah this was smarky before smarky. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was a double turn because The Rock was still faced the next, well, the next night. Well, he kind of uh, just. Well, The Rock was meant to be a heel as part of the NWO, but Rock was meant to be a face, but yeah. the fans were having none of it. Yeah, and and then then it, everybody was like, Rock's a face, Rock's a heel. Well, Ross is like, face, 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 face. I've never once turned against The Rock. <laughs> Never. That's always been my. I'm not seeing that one. Oh, I can only imagine your reaction when he beats Cena at 28. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, I need to clean. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, TMI. Is this the fin- is this the finest piece of double ton storytelling wrestling yeah, history though? Probably, weird. yeah. Yeah. I think as well. There's like I, I read somewhere it was like if McMahon was a bit worried about actually him blading in the match. Because it was like they were still at that time we were a bit like they weren't too sure of blading. Yeah, we'll put a gun on TV, but you can't bleed. Yeah, you can't bleed. <laughs> to be fair, there has been weirder things that we've What's better, knives or guns? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Actually, that, that's a question. Knives. Would you prefer knives or guns? Oh, sorry, I thought you were being. No, no, just. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, it's Vince McMahon, so you just you really don't want to go down into his psyche. Let's nah, just leave it at that. Nah, let's just leave it there. So yeah. so yeah, this was a springboard for Austin to be the next big baby face. The fans were so loving him at this point in time and he was meant to go dominate for years to come however later in the year as part of this feud with the Felt Heart Foundation we got a bit of a scare and this is how we're going to end the first half of this show is when he had his match with Owen Hart at SummerSlam that year scary moment for anybody who's never seen this before Owen Hart dropped Stone Cold in a pile driver didn't Austin's head was too low and well broken neck mm-hmm. end of the day that's a real scary moment in wrestling. Mm. I think it's fair to say most people were genuinely concerned for Austin's health at that point in time. Guys, what's your thoughts on... See, 
the way, I mean, I keep looking at that tombstone and I think, and it was a tombstone pile driver as well, so it was like, uh, but the, the fact that, but why did Owen have to sit down for it? I mean, why didn't he just do like Undertaker style and land on his knees? Because I think if, if that had happened, it probably would have been avoided. Uh, but how Austin was able to finish that match is beyond me, because that would have just killed a normal person. He was paralyzed for like three or four minutes? Yeah, at least a few minutes, yeah. It's amazing to me. If Owen Hart's always known as a great technical wrestler as well. It was amazing to see him make such a bad botch, you know? I mean, mm. you, you would not have expected that from a guy of Owen Hart's... It's not like he, he just, like, comfortably sat down either. He sort of had a little sort of jump to it as well. And that... In, so Austin's head fell about maybe, what, half a foot or something towards the mat? And yeah. oh, it just... Oh, I don't even know what he was thinking. No, no, the scary thing is about it. Have you, you ever heard about the time when Austin was in uh, New Japan? And he was wrestling... Uh, I'm going to mess this up. Monsieur Rina... Chino? What did I say? <laughs> I can't read that. <laughs> uh, anyways, a uh, similar thing happened to Austin. Uh, Austin was wrestling, a Japanese wrestler uh, got him up for Tombstone Pile Driver, broke his neck. No, never seen it? No, that's Yeah, yeah, just that. Uh, yeah, it's very eerie. Like, similar thing happened like years before because Austin was like. Was that Tombstone? Or yeah, yeah, it was a tombstone. tombstone. Same, yeah. pretty much same. He reverses a move into a Tombstone and drops the guy on his neck, paralyzed. Mm. So, I mean, really scary how it, how it comes around. I mean, you see moves like that, but done bad, but it's not done right. It is scary. We've had that a few times in years past with the Styles Clash, mm-hmm. one, one of our own Lionheart, of course. You know, it's uh, I said it like he's on the po- on the podcast, Scotland's own Lionheart. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just our, our pal Lionheart. It's, it's scary in that type of thing. But what the thing about it was, obviously Austin did make a recovery, not a full recovery, as we'll talk about in the second half of the show. But it did lead to a change in Austin's style. I mean, before that, he was a very technical wrestler, we saw because he was obviously the ringmaster. But he changed to that brawling style, and I think, in a way, I think that kind of suited him more in the years going forward, do you not think? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like the old sort of no flips, just fists. You know, he just absolutely beats the crap out of you and then just, like, is done with you. That's it. No flying. No fly zone. No, no fly zone, <laughs> yes. No fly zone, just you fists. Mention your own gimmick, man. <laughs> I am mixing in the revival as well. That, that's something as well, like... I think it suited him, but like you're saying, it suited him better in years to come because he was going up against the modern day authority. You know, as much as I like Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan when they were going against Triple H, like if you were to get your hands on somebody, you're not spending ten minutes to perfect, you know, a Phoenix Splash or a, a diving headbutt. No, you're doing what Steve Austin does. You just bust in and attack him wherever you can get him. You know, you get your hands on him by any means necessary, and I think that was a lot more effective, and I think it worked for him in the long run. Yeah. Oh yeah, concur, definitely. Yeah, totally. We were glad to see Austin did make our recovery, obviously. We'll talk a bit more about the neck injury in the second half of the show, but that was essentially kind of the end of his feud with the Hart Foundation, you know. He did eventually, he would win the Intercontinental title that night, funnily enough, but he would obviously have to relinquish it. Eventually rerun it at Survival Series that year, but he went on to feud with a man, he will talk about a bit more detail as well, The Rock, you know. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Anybody yet? Anybody else, quickly, before we take a short break, any more feud, views on these feud with Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation? Just that his uh, WrestleMania 13 match was arguably one of the best WrestleMania matches ever. And it was a submission match as well, which Austin wasn't even a submission specialist. No, exactly, which made it even even better, you yeah. know, so... I liked, the, I liked Owen's promo after it, was it not? Owen 316 says, I just broke your neck. Mm. Yeah, that was just... Or, I broke Austin's neck as well. Like the old Wahoo McDaniels t-shirts. Uh, I thought they were amazing. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is 
Sorry, I'm not, I, I wasn't happy that Austin broke his neck, but the heel work for, you know, you've got to work with... I mean, Austin was basically the guy who walked in. Capitalising you know, on capitalizing on injury, yeah, yeah or yeah. make it a heel promo, kind yeah, of. Exactly, so, you know, Owen just did what Austin would have done. So, yeah, that's been the, the first half of our talking about the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stay tuned to us later on the show where we'll talk about his feuds with Triple H, his eventual heel turn in the, after the Attitude Era, and, of course... Who could forget his feud with the boss, Vince McMahon? So stay tuned, and we'll be back to talk about that in a short bit. And when that glass hits, that's nothing but 100% pure adrenaline. And then you might as well be a junkie because you're hooked on it. You're hooked on standing behind that curtain every single night and going out there and busting your for that crowd. So to me, the whole business is. is you let's have a good time there's beer drinking there's middle fingers there's hell raising but stone cold steve austin's at work and if stone cold steve austin's work it's going to be a good day hello my friend we'll meet again it's been a while where should we begin feels like forever Take Stone Cold Steve Austin. Too long to get up, too long to fall down, and it's time for Steve Austin to move along and let someone else do this thing. Sacrifices, as you call them, I wouldn't give none of them back to you because I loved them all. Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, retweet, on Strathclyde Fusion! Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, retweet. That was a wee bit that Austin did talking about the sacrifices he gave in his career 
for the fans with My Sacrifice by Creed in the background. Great mm. bit of music. Yeah, it sounds proper hardcore. I don't see why I didn't use that as his, as his theme. Because shot of, because shot, the shot of glass. Ah, uh, yeah, the shot. It's, it's not the same. It is not the same. Why did they put the shot of glass in front of that then? My sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is this is Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. We are talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. I'm Stephen Wilson. I am joined by Botchamania, Botcha Rager, Andy Mitchell. Alan McLucas hey. and Ross McLeod. Yes, my brother texts me halfway through the podcast just laughing at me saying, who the hell's the jobby jobber I had to text back? That's <laughs> shame. Like, yes, that's me. Yeah. Walked in, walked in during the intros, did not know I was getting hit with that absolute slander. I would love to take the credit, but I can't. I know who exactly what it is. I sent my DM to him I was going to kill him. I'm like, the jobber of the podcast. No, it's not good. So yeah, if you are listening to us live or on Anchor or iTunes, which we are on for any podcast subscribers, uh, send us in your favourite memories of Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll be going through our favourite memories at the end of the show. Right, now moving on to our next topic of conversation. That being pretty much his legendary feud with the boss, Vinnie Mac. Mm. Yep, guys, what is... Guys... First of all, what can we, how can we start this off anyway, other way? Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Basically, if there was ever a storyline where there was an employee who hated his boss and just wanted to beat him up all the time, this exemplified it. I've got actually a funny story before we go into Austin. There's someone I know who I will not mention, because I'll get killed, who, <laughs> when uh, Vince McMahon's music starts and it says, No chance, she thought it was, No kids! <laughs> <laughs> what?! <laughs> Okay. You got no kids, Austin. You got no kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I don't. How like does it. chance sound anything like kids? I don't get it. I don't know, but yeah, that's a, that's just a side note. But yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and Vince McMahon. What a brilliant, yeah. brilliant feud this mm. is. It's so we've got such a short time to go through so much for this. It's so hard to go through. I thought I would start off with we talked about in the first half there with Austin's neck injury. He actually made his return from a neck, neck injury on an episode of Raw, where essentially he came to the ring and uh, it was, there was a speech by Bret Hart. Austin came to the ring with police officers and took him out. Vince McMahon came out and we got the iconic moment of the first stunner to Vince McMahon. Guys, has anybody n- not sold the stunner as much as Vince McMahon did that <laughs> night? The Rock sells it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's better than the rocket sailing that. He did sell it better than Linda McMahon, so. (laughs) (laughs) And Donald Trump. I know Linda McMahon turns away and Donald Trump just kind of collapsed in a heap. (laughs) His wig went flying. (laughs) (laughs) No, the the moment I remember is just like, it's almost like uh, McMahon has a a fit afterwards. He's just shaking with his eyes open. It's so funny. But it is something, you know, it's the first kind of sign. You know, this was before the Montreal Screwjobs. This is one of the first points that. Vince was really interacting in the ring, so it's kind of see him getting stunned. It was that ultimate act of defiance of doing something to your boss. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. well, a lot of people at the time just knew him as Vince the announcer, Vince the commentator. It was only a few people knew he was actually the owner. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it was very. It was. It was 1997. I think they started referring to him more as the owner. It was when mm-hmm. he started getting more involved with Bret Hart. Bret Hart was very frustrated with him and started calling him out a lot of the time. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's like it's your fault. Oh, this is happening. And then know? after the screw job as well, that's sort of when the character was properly exemplified. Yeah, I think this was about the time he stopped being known as Vince McMahon. He started. 
telling people that when they called him Vince, he'd go, no, it's Mr. McMahon here. Yeah, the, yeah. the Mr. McMahon character. It's yeah. iconic in time. They, always, they say any good face needs a good heel to yeah. go with them. Mm. And I think Vince was just the guy that Austin needed to go yeah. through the roof. You know, it, it, it was, he could have went through the roof to start with. I mean, you kinda, we talked earlier on about how perspective his works, you know, but imagine if Austin never broke his neck. I mean, we might not have seen that moment yeah. with him and Vince. I mean, how could times have changed if that didn't happen, you know? We talk, it's obviously not a great thing that he broke his neck, but could you imagine what would have happened? It's ironic that injuries, we were talking earlier, has played such a big part in his career. You know, he, uh, sorry, <laughs> he got injured and that's what gave him the time to just wait. I need to come up with a whim, this 316 promo. He got, uh, Shawn Michaels allegedly got injured, that's what led him to his infamous match with Bret Hart. And then he got injured again, which was basically, he was on the rise. He hadn't been oversaturated yet and the fans just wanted him more and more. This was in Raw, we only had Raw two hours a week. And the fans wanted him more and more and more, and that's just—I think—it elevated his popularity. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I mean, there's the, there's the whole thing of having Vince. There's so much to go through. I've, I'm trying to go through a few of these moments that we can talk that we can talk about this kind of spell because there is. We could be here all day just talking about his feud with yeah. Vince McMahon. The one I would probably start with was the WrestleMania 14 and the introduction of Mike Tyson and about there. Tyson and Austin. Tyson and Austin. <laughs> I love that. Tyson was in DX's so, corner to begin with, so he, yeah. did, he did a switch like. There you go, another double turn. Yeah. <laughs> <Little Tottenham. laughs> Mike well, Tyson. Wait, was that a double turn though? That's just a turn. That's, That's just a one turn. Oh, fine. <laughs> Sit in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he gets in DX's corner, knocks out Shawn Michaels by the end of the night. Yeah. How annoyed does Vince look that night when oh, Tyson shows up so on Raw? Oh yeah, He's like, you ruined it, damn it! I just thought it's like you see like Austin getting held by, but he managed to just get his hand out and just gives him. It the looked finger. like a, <laughs> it looked like a legit like segment, you know, where Mike Tyson's in the ring with all his his uh, his security and his party and stuff. Austin gives him the double fingers and then just chaos ensues. It's like it's like a uh, like a real life boxing feud that gets out of hand. Really, that's kind of what you see. The thing is, it's like today it was like it would be the celebrity gets the upper hand over the wrestler whereas like Dan Austin was like I'm better than you and you know in this yeah, ring this yeah. is my ring yeah. mm-hmm. back then as well it made the mainstream news it's the first time wrestling really appeared on the news channels uh, yeah because re- during Wrestlemania 14 they had about 100 different media personnel mm-hmm. uh, like ringside and stuff that's how uh, covered it was it was mm-hmm. it was crazy so just because of Mike Tyson being there well, it's something else as well it's it's such an infamous raw moment and they call it the brawl between Austin and Tyson it's one shove but you know it's just because these guys were so big one shove was all it needed mm. and then the introduction of Tyson at Mania it's just great because it was like the ring was it was full but it wasn't that full but as soon as Austin comes out you see all everyone just running into the ring yeah. to like separate them off and it just was this atmosphere so just something quickly as well do you know uh, Tyson was meant to appear at WrestleMania 12 so it was right before he got knocked out by Buster Douglas. He cancelled all appearances, he just disappeared. I think it was Buster Douglas ended up appearing at WrestleMania 12. Oh. But, you know, imagine, again, something else. What if? What if Tyson appeared then, just as the smiley, hi, I'm here, I'm the champ? Would the, the feud with Austin have much an impact? It's like, we've seen you on TV before. Nah, it was something, though, that just like to help solidify Austin as the baddest guy in, the, in WWE. He had to go face-to-face with the baddest man on the planet, you know? 
and eventually we're very nice pals at the end of it WrestleMania 14 and you know Austin's tactics as well you you can't describe that of a, ba- a goody two shoes baby face or anything you know this was full out you know this is what you'd expect a heel to be doing yeah. but people loved him for it yeah. and it's like nowadays you know a lot of people prefer the heels because they're more interesting characters and they would go against authority figures essentially you know it doesn't matter if they were face or heel I think they just like a rebellious character full stop something else as well it's uh, you see it in wrestling all the time they're like did it is here and you're like who? Who? X and Y is here. Like who? Like you know, I'm just. I'm, I, 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 I One of those hippity hoppity fellas. <laughs> no, but it's, it's usually like American sports stars, and it's like you know WWE such a global thing. Like, nobody else knows who they are. But this was Mike Tyson. This was the boxing world champion. Everybody knew who Mike the biggest Tyson sports was. personality in the world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, everybody knew who he was, and that's I think what gave it more of an impact. So yeah, there was so much that went on in this Vince and Austin feud. I, I thought it'd be quite good to actually highlight some of the great iconic moments that we got from these two feuding, led a lot by what Austin did. First one, Ross, you, see does this quite well in the first half, uh, when he put a gun to Vince's head. Oh, aye, Austin. Which wasn't an actual gun, obviously. <laughs> man 316 so I just pissed my pants, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, great moment. Uh, we talked about a couple of these on the on the best Raw show, but I'll go for them again. Austin and the Zamboni. <laughs> that was the precursor to the beer truck one. Yeah, oh, the beer truck. Yeah, really knocks the ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, he actually did hit the ring with yeah. it. <laughs> and then he just jump, and he just literally just uh, flies into the ring into onto Vince. Is this when he's given Kane or Undertaker the title? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, because it was the smoking skull. They changed it to smoking skull, hadn't they? The smoking skull championship. Yeah, and they brought back the the blue globe title, and he's like, "Oh, we're giving it to him." And then out comes Austin, launches himself after Zamboni. Yeah. The beer, the beer truck one is brilliant. Though. The beer truck is probably. Yeah. I, I said before in a previous show, the beer truck's probably my favourite moment ever in Raw history. C- cement in the in the Vince's Corvette. I love that. He's driving a cement truck. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that started the show. There's so many moments. I said this about the beer truck on the Raw one. I didn't know that the Corvette thing started the show. It was his first thing on the show. Vince in there, and then it's like, oh, is it <laughs> oh mate, sorry, I filled your Corvette with concrete. Here, have a beer on me, or or have beer on you, essentially. <laughs> There was one as well, uh, just any excuse to mention them. Vince McMahon gives The Rock, they said it was a $250,000 car, it looked horrendous. <laughs> and Austin just drives into the arena in a monster truck and goes, I'm looking for a parking space, and just runs right at it and goes, Oh, can't find a space, and then runs back over it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of gets at the truck like, was that? Uh, <laughs> just gets it. It was even worse as well. Like nowadays, if somebody like a heel superstar gets a new car, yeah, all the worst it gets is like it gets graffitied or covered in paint or oh, Brock. Say that to oh, Brock the same time. Brock with an axe. <laughs> Brock launches oh. a door at the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, forgot, I almost forgot about that one. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, see, he's, brought, he's brought Lesnar. He, he's brought Lesnar though. He can get away with anything. Exactly. I've yeah, done a car thing like that and since then. No, for good reason. Two of my favourite moments and two great ones that came up obviously is when they were feuding with the corporation and the ministry we've got the higher power obviously and one of the greatest three week four week spells in wrestling when Austin became the CEO mm. of the company have you seen the video where he's <laughs> where he's in the office yes yeah. <laughs> oh, his videos in the office are amazing oh, right. he's still got his tank top on but he's got a tie on over the top yet. and the, t- yeah, the yeah. tie isn't even tied properly I gotta properly. take this tie off <laughs> <laughs> See that's that's something. Drinking beer in the office is allowed. <laughs> <laughs> something else like 
Vince McMahon's illegitimate son angle. That's something that could have been done then. You could have had somebody, well, an up and coming, <laughs> no, 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 an up and coming superstar at the time. Yeah. Cutting about the office, just making his own rules, a la Steve Austin. It was meant to be Mr. Kennedy, believe it or not. Yeah, because like, yeah. it was like, oh, you're named after your father. We yeah, make, Vincent, Mr. Kennedy McMahon. Uh, but, see, that that would have been so good as well. But anyway, back on the topic, yeah. I'm cutting about the office with his tank top and his untie tie and his backward hat is just amazing. Was it he changes uh, Shane McMahon's uh, salary into the beer, <laughs> the beer money? <laughs> yeah. Beer money. yeah. <laughs> so take a few zeros off McMahon's and put them on Mankind's paycheck. Yeah, because <laughs> of, he's always ill. He's always got the injuries. That was the reason. Yeah, he's just like, Jesus Christ, so much. <laughs> <laughs> and also how he taught the receptionist how to answer before. Yeah, it's so horrible. It's just, and he, I've got the notes for him to pick up. It's one of my favourites. It's about Mike on him, Quacko um, here. He sacked his senior vice president of marketing, research <laughs> and development, and he instead promoted the mailroom worker. <laughs> <laughs> what a chap. Always helping the little man, you know? <laughs> yeah. And also, sorry, when it was called for the board meeting, he said, no, I don't like board games. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, you may be able to tell me if this is true, but at this point in time as well that he threw the, the Intercontinental title in the lake? Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was still feuding with the rock run. But uh, no, it was before that actually. It was ninety eight. Uh, was that before yeah. that? Or was it during Yeah, it was ninety eight. Yeah. Oh, ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah, because he uh, threw he threw the title in the river, and then I think Rock threw him in the river. Well, we, this this was uh, this was the it was during this feud with McMahon as well that we got the the start of the legendary series with the Rock. Oh. The Rock was obviously the corporate champion. I mean, Ross, you've got a minute here. Quickly describe this spell with Austin. Sorry, just the greatest moment I think ever is. And it shows its age. Rock's got a beeper, and he just looks at the beeper and goes, "Where the hell's three sixteen? And it pans out, and Austin's in the ring, and oh. it, it, they just start brawling. Because <laughs> I think oh, did Rock no win the title for own heart, and Austin hadn't had his rematch, yeah. and he was coming for the title, and he couldn't get to own. Oh, I he was feuding with somebody else at this point, and Rock was <laughs> Rock was the champ, and it was like, "Well, I'm coming for you. You've got my belt." Uh, it was amazing. I can't believe I forgot. I don't know why that reminded me of you talking about the pager. Vince in the hospital. Oh, Dr. Yes. Yes. Oh, jeez. You oh. violated me. <laughs> oh, funniest. Ben one of the funniest segments ever. <laughs> See, that is, why, that is why people still cheer McMahon and they boo Steph and Shane because Vince McMahon didn't care. Vince McMahon's a billionaire, well, so he's not insecure at the end of the day. Vince McMahon goes home to a big house, so yeah. if he gets made to look like a dafty on TV, he doesn't care. He's nuts. He always, exactly. Yeah, he's always got his comeuppance. He's a great is, sport. Yeah, yeah. Great. That, that's the best way to describe him. He's when he get when he get hit with a bedpan. I mean, look <laughs> at him. Boing. Boing. Look at him. Just like a year and a half ago, seventy-one year old, and he took a punch off Roman Reigns, and he couldn't get a headbutt off him. And a frog splash from Kevin Owens. And a fro- oh, there you go. I, more recently, yeah, the headbutt and the frog splash with Kevin Owens, and he does it more than once. And it's like Jesus Christ. Right, Stephanie McMahon can just do what she wants. When yes, she wants. we yeah. we get Stephanie McMahon's comeuppance once a year she gets a Samoan drop for Ronda Rousey and that's uh, oh remember the year before she had a table spot yeah <laughs> but that's about it really there's, there's so much in this feud you know obviously it ended in 1999 about fully loaded time where uh, Austin beat The Undertaker for the WWF title and uh, as a result Vince had to go you know he was away for about a week <laughs> <laughs> felt like a bit it wasn't away for long he came back and won the WWF title talk about a yeah. comeback best comeback show we need to talk about that yeah, yeah best Vince, comeback Vince's That's, comeback yeah because it was Triple H was feuding with Linda or something so he came out he would say he said something about Linda McMahon and then that's when Vince came he's like oh, I'm not here as chairman I'm here because who helped Vince win the title Austin Austin, Austin. 
No, no, that, that, no, I, no, that, that, that was uh, Triple H yeah. was fighting The Rock that show, I think, and it was just <laughs> Schwarzenegger on commentary. He got a Hall of Fame induction for that appearance alone. I mean, oh, he loved it there, though. You've seen, seen him on there. He's like a mm. little boy in a toy shop. I he can't just believe goes, yeah. bang. <laughs> they, had, they had such a complicated feud. I mean, there was points like Vin, he was helping Vince, Vince was helping him, mm. Vince screwed over his own family. <laughs> I don't know, it was weird. there was so much in there. Is there anything I've missed quickly before we move on from this one? There's so uh, much in this feud. We've only got a set amount of time. There's a lot we're Miss, but I think we got the best bits. Yeah. Definitely. Best, best match of the Edge 98 with the Dude Love. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> As well, we're talking about uh, helping Triple H, uh, helping McMahon win the title for Triple H. He also refused to drop it to Triple H as well. Oh, you beat me to the punch. It's on yeah. the script. Yeah, that's oh. what we're going on to next. Oh, there we go. So well, going segue. <laughs> <laughs> he usually gets in trouble for this. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> so, yeah, then after this one, he then go up, went on to have that feud with Triple H. It had so many twists and turns. Ross has talked about the first one. It was SummerSlam 1999, which was the ever-changing title match in the month previously, I think it was fair to say, which mm-hmm. eventually ended up in Austin Mankind Triple H. As Ross correctly said, Austin refused to give Triple H the title. Well, I've heard Partly. different things because I've, I've watched a, uh, an interview with him on his podcast and he just said that at the time he can't remember because he, he gets pinned, that Austin gets pinned. Yeah. And what they reckon it was, it was because it was Ventura was the guest referee. It was in Minnesota and it was more him saying, I don't want to raise a heel's hand. Yeah, that, that, that was the other one as well. Yeah. Austin blames him, Ventura bla- uh, blames Austin. It's like he said, she said. It's like, was he yeah. not running for governor at that point as well? No, he was, no, he was governor. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the ones that I can understand if he was running, but you know, yeah. you're in office and you know, everyone knew wrestling was scripted for Christ's sake. Like, come on, let's just raise the heel's hand. Yeah. Mm. As Austin said, he said he doesn't know how he felt at the time, so they always like Triple H would always put him over but he doesn't know he doesn't know if he didn't review us or he did so that's kind of what has well he did on. have you know he did have a track record of doing that at the time you know, yeah he was very paranoid yeah refusing yeah. to feud with certain people yeah so he felt the the, the rug was going to get pulled from under him so yeah. it was always really paranoid because I think the beer truck I, I heard this on the Attitude Era podcast and I was saying that he wanted to come out just in his pickup truck he, he, he didn't want to do it he was like why, why am I coming out in a beer you truck think, you think that gives an impression he's maybe hard to work with Backstage, yeah. you know, mm. he, he was very protective of his character. I think superstardom, you know, he was like the top guy in the company. I think yeah. he maybe became a bit of a diva to an extent. I don't think any of them, anybody that has became a top star, like hasn't become a bit, you know, I'm not doing that. You know, we've heard stories of Hulk Hogan, John Cena, mm. you know, CM Punk was difficult to work with. Yeah. Because obviously, like Punk had like I like obviously know they all had ideas, mm-hmm. but you know management said no, it's our, it, we're doing what we're wanting, not what you want. Yeah, and it just depends on the sort of like you, you take it from the sort of people that Punk and Austin are. They're based, they're not people that like to be told what to do. Yeah, yeah. They, I suppose it's like in any work environment, you're supposed to have a. You sh- it's better to have like a a debate rather than a dictatorship. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's what people were getting pissed off at. You've clearly never worked in Asda, my friend. Oh. <laughs> you need to stop swearing. We're not allowed to swear. What have I been... I've only said it once. Twice. No, someone else. That's it. All oh, right. <laughs> you've got to get us kicked off the air. You've got to get us theoretically run down by a car. Oh, wait, that's the next point of our conversation. <laughs> See, I felt my segue was more smooth. <laughs> yeah, it was far more smooth. I just, I, 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 it's hard to get, get run, run down to a car smoothly. Yeah. should have said, uh, run along swiftly. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, That's why you go to Glasgow Uni. Smooth as silk. Smooth as silk. Yes, so the next one was Survivor Series 1999. Austin getting run over by a car. 
A lot of people thought this was quite distasteful the way they took Austin off the air. Would you agree or would you not agree, guys? More people were annoyed at the fact that it was at the point where Triple H was becoming the biggest heel in the company, The Rock was starting to become a superstar, and Austin was Austin. And it was the three yeah. of them, it was advertised right up until the start of the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have our three biggest stars, three of our biggest stars ever, for the title in the main event of this show. And then people got to the arena, and Austin didn't really appear in front of the crowd. He appeared backstage, got hit with a car and left. Yeah. Was it yeah. going back to what ifs? Uh, just think Triple H could have beat both Stone Cold and The Rock in one night. <laughs> it's not like anybody's done that before. <laughs> no, I know you mean. You know what happens when you forget? You know what happens when you forget who did it? What? What? You just make the last. Quacko pulling the rug out. No, but I agree with what you say. It's like a lot of people were like big triple F threat match and then next thing they know Austin's been hit by a car he's out of the match I, I think there was two things that really annoyed them, that and the fact that they gave it to Big Show you know, yeah. you know it was weird the fact that why not give it to Rock or Triple H I mean Big Show had it for a month feuded with the boss man that was it yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty weak feud yeah as good as as good as the wrong Triple H are you know Triple H was a heel so nobody would have cared if he could take it out and people might have been upset that The Rock were taken out, me included, but you know, it's a case of Austin was the bigger star at this point. So, you know, it's the fact that they took the guy out of the match. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, like it, Sunday, the Fastlane, if you take AJ Styles at the match, you know, nobody's going to care if Baron Corbin and Ziggler get taken this match. We're all praying something happens to them. <laughs> not in that way, not in that way, not in that way. You know, but you know, it was the guy. They took the guy out of the match. To give the storyline credit, though, it's like, uh, it seemed really legit. You know, there was a lot of realism because I think it was either JR or Laurel or Waller went backstage and it was like, kind of everything stopped for a good 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it did like a lot of people like, what happened? Why is, you know, it was a really realistic thing. It. I mean, looking in the aftermath of the next year, eventually revealed were you dis- just as disappointed with the reveal of who ran over Stone Cold yes. yeah yeah. interesting angle with rubbish payoff but I did it for the rock <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know it was Rikishi Rikishi who was a part of Too Cool and he was very over was turned heel to oh, run terrible. over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rikishi, the large oily man. <laughs> the big sweaty man. Oh! Oh! I've realised this! <laughs> Do you think he was annoyed about that in the vote from the Royal Rumble in 96? Oh, <laughs> and this is revenge! This story has done backstory. <laughs> I finally figured out it wasn't for The Rock. It was for The Rumble! <laughs> yeah, but was it not eventually revealed, like... I did it, but I was working for somebody else, and it was Triple H, yeah. which is something else. You know, like you were, like you were saying, it annoyed you giving it to the big show. Yeah, it would have worked so much better if Triple H got the title that night. Mm. Yeah, right, really. I as opposed to winning it on the, on the first Raw of two thousand. I mean, he just he had a death grip on that thing. Oh, absolutely. More of a death grip when, it, when the World Heavyweight Title came about yeah. two years yeah. later. They never <laughs> let that thing go. Mm. It was Can we talk about his return after being knocked down? Yes, go for it. I love that moment, Unforgiven 2000. Mm. <laughs> moment. Backstage with Kurt Angle, so yeah. funny. He first of all stuns Steve Blackman, then he stuns Shane McMahon three times. Loved it. Uh, yeah. Loved do, it. do you remember the legendary, the legendary person he had an interaction with? Uh, unforgiven. Just Joe. Just Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just Austin, she's like, I'm just Joe, I'm Joe. Joe who? Just Joe. What sort of name's just Joe and he just beats the hell out of him? <laughs> no, the best part is when he meets Kurt Angle and it's like Angle gives him a medal and he's like giving it. Well, obviously yours are smaller than mine because I won mine. 
It did, the, the feud between Austin and Triple H had a fantastic payoff though when they got to No Way Out 2001 and they faced off in three stages of hell. Mm-hmm. One of oh. the most underrated matches I think in WWE history. Because yeah. I don't think it gets the same attention purely because of the point in time that it occurred. The, the month before WrestleMania 17. Yeah, it's something that I, I hate is the, the pay-per-views between the Rumble and WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it, it overshadows a lot of great matches. Like there's been so many not at Fastlane but you know there's been great <laughs> matches throughout the year well no there was Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns you know we might not like to win her but the match was amazing Why it's for Fastlane's just been very irrelevant mm-hmm. for years yeah, it's, such a it's, terrible it's just a, a status quo pay-per-view it basically yeah. says right okay we might switch up for you we'll just tease it but no the end result is we're sticking with our original plan you're going to get Roman Reigns in the main event no questions asked yeah I think like the No Way Out 2001 was the last good pre-WrestleMania pay-per-view I think they've done for the simple fact it was a case of we're putting Rock in the Rumble because Undertaker, Kane and Austin are there to make it seem like there's more chance of somebody winning and then this was the last stop this was like are we going to get Rock and Austin again we've not seen it one-on-one properly since he's been injured and this was when you gave The Rock the title and we knew right it's going to be Rock and Austin and it was leading into the biggest main event ever in my opinion yeah I, yeah. I probably think it still probably is up there it's one of the, big, the biggest main. yeah is this w- WWE would probably say it's Cena Rock, but is, this is what Mania X7 you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, this probably the most anticipated main event yeah. Apart yeah. aside from Cena Rock. Yeah, um, quickly moving on to that match, obviously, uh, it's probably as well one of the greatest video packages WWE's done. Yeah, in the oh, lead up to that match, good so good, so well done. You know, it was Limp Biscuit that did the one for that yeah, one. My, yeah, way. Yeah, my, my way, way or the highway. Yeah, it's mm. a great theme tune. Limp Biscuit did some great work in that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> that WrestleMania in general had so many good things about it. The best WrestleMania of all time, yeah. arguably. Arguably, yeah. We'll discuss that more in detail next week, I believe. Please remember. Yes, yeah, we're not I talking remember. about this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually at a, a new metal night in Glasgow the other week, and it was classic new metal songs, and in the big screens at the bar. I would not leave the bar all night because they had wrestling right around the lip. Ross, do you want to come to. No, no. But there's a good song. No, no, no. Look, look guys, test Vieda Guerrero for the European titles on Do You Mind? <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so yeah, let's talk about, I mean, we didn't really get the chance as much to talk about Rock, the first Rock in Austin feud. Guys, I'll go around this one. What's your thoughts on this match? Is it, it's probably up there as one of the most iconic moments in wrestling history. Again, Alan, you've been very quiet in the last few minutes. <laughs> Chip in, what's your points? It was a great match. It wasn't, for me, I, I wouldn't say it's their best match. I, I loved 15. Right. That was mine, but I really, I really did enjoy it. I agree, it probably was the best WrestleMania, but it was... I didn't enjoy it because Rock lost. Like, there we go, I've said it. I'm a Rock man. I didn't enjoy it because Rock lost. But I, it was a great match. I find that it was one of the most painful moments of my childhood because I was so pro Austin. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that he turned teal, oh, as a nine year old boy, I was, so cl- I was close to tears. You know, certain things have made you sad as a kid, but Austin turning heel was, oh, it was bad. Well, Especially worst, with McMahon as well. Uh, the worst thing for me about it, because I, I never got a chance to watch it live, the 17, so I didn't find out until the following SmackDown, like Saturday. And I was like, saw Austin had the title, I was like, oh, he won. Still thought he was a good guy. And the next thing I know, he's beaten up JR in the ring. And I was like, what is, what the hell is going on? And then I had to piece the... the You're the supposed to together. be my friend! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just... My God, I've got a family! Yeah. <laughs> Something else as well, it's... We talked about uh, Rock v Hogan at WrestleMania 18, you know, the, the reaction Rock and Hogan got, be, not being what was on the script. 
you were in Texas. Yeah. Steve mm. Austin from Texas. Steve Austin coming out with the Texas colours on his jacket. Oh, by the way, we're going to turn him heel. Could you boom? It was like when they got try to get Brock Lesnar booed in Minnesota and they lead up to the Goldberg feud. It's just like, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. Yeah, Rock played the heel that match for the simple fact that they were in Austin's hometown. As, Austin I, got cheered everywhere, but as, then you were in his home state. As many people said, Vince McMahon actually turned face that night. Because <laughs> they all cheered him. <laughs> do you remember how many cheer shots uh, Austin hit the Rock with? About 15 or something? Quite a f- yeah. yeah. 16 eventually they'd hit with them. Same yeah. number of German suplexes when Cena's first visit to Suplex City. But something I forgot. <laughs> something I forgot as well. Stats! <laughs> something I forgot as well looking back on the match. Like, I was watching it, I forgot the finish was. I thought he like, kept hitting with a chair and then got him up for an arse turner. No, it's, it's kind of underwhelming the finish for the match. Ah, it's, it's just chair, chair, chair. Chair, 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 kick out. Chair, 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 kick out. Chair, 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 kick out. Alright, we'll go again. Chair, chair, chair. One, two, three. And it's like. It was like when Big Show hit Sheamus with a massive chair. It was just so <laughs> underwhelming. I mean, but it's such a big match. I mean, obviously at that point, that was a Austin turned heel that night. Obviously, just that's such a mixed reaction. I mean, he then went on to then become tag team with Triple H as a two-man power trip. Now the thing was that looking on that one retrospectively, obviously, could would the fans really want to boo him? Was this the right move no. to turn them heel? I personally think the fans still loved him and wanted to cheer him, especially so soon after him coming back from his neck injury. You know, it was, it was so sympathetic at that point in time. It's like, keep him as it. I understand Rock was massive at that point in time, but he left why the next t- night. Yeah, yeah, he lost his rematch and left to go film the yeah. Academy Award winning Scorpion King. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, why turn them? Why turn them here? I mean, guys, I don't think the fans wanted to get a hold of What's your thoughts? I think, you know, if if The Rock was going to wait to film The Scorpion King, then I think maybe in the idea of management, they wanted uh, a guy, a popular guy, to play a heel character. Kind of like, you know, Rock was, like, leader of the corporate ministry, and he was a mega heel at the time, and he was getting... He was probably the most must-see person on the, the entire roster back then. I think they tried to do the same thing with Austin, but... It just didn't have the same same effect, really. Because it was the fact that Rock was heel. He came in as a boring babyface. He was then heel for the most successful part of his early career, mm. and then turned face. So we all knew Rock as a heel. So when he turned heel again, it wasn't as much a oh god, he's turned on his. I think the difference is I think Rock's face run was more of like a goody two shoes babyface run, like they're trying to do with Roman Reigns. But I think Austin, you know, even though he was a face, has always been the rebellious face. You know, the sort of face that does the heel tactics, the one that brawls a bit. But yeah, everybody cheers for him because he's going against an authority figure. I don't know what was then, what was probably more about mind-boggling to me. This heel turn or the fact that a few months later, when the invasion was going on, mm-hmm. that they kept him heel and had him lead the alliance. Now, we talked earlier on in the show about WCW kicked him to the curb, essentially. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. we couldn't buy him as a heel previously. Could we really buy him leading the company I who think kicked, him to the, kicked him to the no. bin? I think it was more for the alliance, like the dangerous alliance, because Paul Heyman was involved in it. Was, he sold WC, uh, ECW to Stephanie. So I think it was more because he's a Paul Heyman guy. Maybe. I think it was a case of, it was a lack of star power. Yeah. yeah. The, roster. The, invas- the, the, the invasion, ally- or the alliance rather, mm-hmm. was, it was mostly just mid-card stars. No Sting, yeah. no Goldberg, no, like, you know, any, no yeah. top guys. And I think Austin was sort of tr- thrown over to try and, uh, you know, balance out a bit. Yeah, I remember at the time it was like, 
I, nobody wanted to see Austin with the alliance, but like looking at it now, it's like with the matches that Undertaker and that had against DDP where they buried them. If Austin was still in the WWF side, he would have just been on the same boat. He would have been like, nah, they're not going over me. So I felt they needed him to be there because it would just been another burial match for whoever he was against. I'd, I'd, I'd have rather. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry, I thought you were going. <laughs> I'd have rather. Like, if they weren't going to pay the money for the likes of Sting and Hogan and Nash and Hall and Goldberg, then why not just, you know, buy WCW, take the best stars that they're giving you, work with it, just introduce them as new characters. I'd rather they just waited to maybe yeah. a summer slip. Rock's big return was to fight Booker T. Booker Sh- T. Shaming man. And sh- well, no, that was unforgiven. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Stats look, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the stats look, Dave. It's a rock uh, stat. Of course you know who. <laughs> no, but it was, it was case like Booker T had been jobbed out to Austin. And then he was teaming with Austin. He would then get jobbed out to Kurt Angle. And then we were supposed to believe that The Rock coming back was going to lose to Booker T. I'd rather they just didn't do the invasion and just had the big rematch at SummerSlam. Rock and Austin again. That feud was the reason Sting didn't want to join. Because, uh, what is it, yeah, Booker Rock. T comes out and he's like, and Rock's like, who are you? Yeah. And he's like, oh, if I go in, they're just going to do the same to me. So It was quite good as well, because he got to mix it up with a lot of guys though, that you wouldn't really see otherwise. I mean, he was having some mat feuds with Taz. He had that one with like, Crash Holly. Spike, no, no, Spike Dudley, Dudley well, sorry. Yeah. Spike Dudley, Because yeah. he disrespected Molly Holly. Yeah, bro- brilliant. Yeah. He had an eye. We talked about Booker T there. Who can forget him and Booker T just after the alliance? In, 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 the the supermarket. in the supermarket yeah. price, check. Oh. price check on a jack I can't, I, can't, I can't say the next word because somebody's used our swear quota <laughs> <laughs> just going to ignore that I used the first one <laughs> but, a, but after the invasion time finished obviously he was got this this is where we started to see his final years in the company now early 2002 WWE brought in the NWO Scott Hall Kevin Nash and Hollywood Hulk Hogan Austin was to feud with Scott Hall and this kind of confused a lot of people because it didn't feel a standard Austin WrestleMania match. We talked mm-hmm. about he had two matches before that with The Rock. He had a big match with Shawn Michaels, big one with Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. But this one with, 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 with Scott Hall was very low in the card for Austin mm-hmm. and didn't feel big. And Austin was very vocal about that, I'm right in saying. I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it felt as... It was just a mid-card match for him, essentially. I think it was a fact as well that WCW basically... They broke Diesel and Razor Ramon over, but if, you know they didn't really do it. They were Hogan's lackeys, so mm. of course it was going to be like the Hogan match, everything, everything else. You know, you may as well have brought in Horace Hogan and Buff Bagwell if you do, <laughs> if you do Steve Austin. Let's get Big Vincent in as well. <laughs> was it Austin never wanted to uh, work with Hogan? So just yeah. felt he yeah he felt his ego was too much. Uh, that's the thing. That, it was the Rock Hogan match was the WrestleMania 18 match. Yeah. Like not even Triple H versus Jericho was the match of the night. You know that was the main event. Yeah, it should have probably main evented in many people's eyes. You yeah, know, but I mean, spectacle uh, of it. But. Again, we'll save all that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a case like they were Hall and Nash's stock were run down. You know, if it was Diesel and Razor Ramon coming back, maybe you'd get excited. But you know, Hall had personal issues at the time. Nash was injured. You know, and it just it felt as if it was the case of we need to get Austin on this card. Yeah. Well, it was a thing. Like many people were starting to think maybe Austin's stock was falling around at that point in time. And as when we got through 2002, there was a lot of things really coming up. I mean, after WrestleMania, he took a week, first to show up, took a week off for of exhaustion, and then there was of course the infamous taking the ball and going home mm. when. He was supposed to face Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was just debuted at that point in time in the first round of the 2002 King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> and Austin was meant to put Lesnar over, but refused. Didn't want. Uh, he wanted it to be a 
felt it should have been a bigger stage. So took the ball, walk away. Austin probably, I think he has vocally said he regrets this to yeah. this day. Yeah. Do you think this was the wrong move? Does it seem quite petty to you guys that Austin just decided, nope, I'm going? No, I think... Well, see, this is the thing about... There was, on the build-up to WrestleMania 19, he had a couple of interviews, like, sort of untold stories, as it were. And he did cite creative differences as a bit of an issue, but, you know, that was among other things. You know, like, he was going through a divorce at the time, his, his neck injury started to sort of come back again, it sort of had, did more damage to him. And I think there was just so much stress in his life that he thought, no, this I need to just calm down and just, you know, just hold yeah, back a bit. there was probably better ways of doing it. I mean... When he initially walked out with exhaustion, he could have at least asked for time off. You know, he could have just said, "No, I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm injured. You know, I'm done. I want to take some time off." I think that's one of the other things he said. He, one of the quotes he said during that interview was just like, um, "He didn't want anybody to know about his his health problems because he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's not supposed to be hurt. You know, he's meant to be this this badass redneck who just mm. you know destroys anything and everything." That's the thing, though. He said he wanted on a bigger stage. You know, if you if you told people now you were getting Brock Lesnar to be Stone Cold and Paper, you you know it'd sell out straight away. But you know, it wasn't a big deal at the time. You know, he's been pushed as the next big thing, but it wasn't the big thing yet. You know, the likes of Hogan and Flair had job to him on TV. So you know, I think it was a case of look, we're going to have him win King of the Ring. You know, we're going to have him beat a few stars in a way to make it believable. Yeah, I mean it was. Kind of the thing. Obviously, he did eventually come back in early 2003, but that's kind of where our, our journey and Stone Cold in-ring career kind of rounds up. Round about this type of time now, as David said, round about that time he was very vocal a bit more about his neck injuries coming up, and to, he was at uh, he was wearing 19. Knee he was wearing knee braces as well. His knees were falling apart. We wore knee braces for years. Yeah, wore double ones. Yeah, but uh, they did not have one. But then he came back. Yeah, he came back with a yeah, second one. Yeah, two on them. Yeah, he was. He so, could barely walk. Alliance. He had mm. the two. Yeah. yeah. So he was meant to. It, it was going to have the final match. His final match in the series with the Rock at WrestleMania 19. But the night before, it looked very doubtful. It was pretty much like he was. Mm-hmm. He had a bit of a. Was it something? It was something. To, was it something to do with his neck or was it something? No, it was something. It was something different. Yeah, was it he, not an average breakdown he had. Kinda, yeah. It was. He had that. Remember that interview I just mentioned. Um, uh, one of the worries he had. He, had, he was actually worried going into this match with the Rock because you know he felt with all the the injury, the injuries piling up, he thought he wouldn't be able to perform. You know, mm-hmm. he thought he would choke on the big stage, and you know after he left to go back to the hotel, he basically had a nervous breakdown and anxiety attack because he was loaded up with like uh red bull coffee and yeah. you know all these other personal problems mm-hmm. going on he just he just had a breakdown yeah because mm-hmm. gr had to take him to a that's local right, medical, yeah. medical facility yeah that's right they had to bring the rock in to work the match with him in the hospital to reassure him i'm not going after your neck no, yeah it was to, explain how he was going to work it yeah because i don't know if you've ever had like uh, energy drinks and coffee in one go but it can increase your heart rate to almost like mm-hmm. cardiac arrest level yeah. it, it was, yeah, dan- was gonna have it was attack. it was dangerous like how high his heart rate was i mean that was obviously that plus the neck injuries was obviously said this was going to be his last match you think it was very fitting that he went out yeah. versus the rock Absolutely. after all Absolutely. they'd been through and yeah. he mm-hmm. and he beaten the rock both times before as well yeah it either had to be the rock or mcmahon and you know mcmahon was fighting hogan that night but I think it would have been better to maybe have Rock Hogan too at WrestleMania 19 instead of No Way Out. And if you knew it was going to be Austin's last match going in, have Austin McMahon in the street fight because it would have meant mm. so much more. Absolutely, with Austin winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just winning and then walking out, and then you know, he, he was forced to retire 
you know, they had Bischoff kick him out of kick him off a raw the next night. Would it not have worked better if Midman lost the match, but then the next night came out and went, You're fired. Mm, no, no. I think no. no Vince could have just been written off after that. You know, he he, mm. he gets because in that street fight with Hogan, you know, he was bleeding like crazy. Yeah. There a lot of big spots. Imagine if Hogan just like got his beers, like poured one over Vince and then just put one in his hand and then just like cheers them or something. Yeah. The thing is though, like the previous month at No Out, it had the match with Eric Bischoff, but there would just been another one of them for WrestleMania. Oh, I, I feel with the the Rock one, what they could have done, that if they knew it was his last match, to the belt it is a, a loser leaves match, and everybody thought, oh it's the Rock, Hollywood, mm-hmm. and then the surprise, oh it's all, because he never got that moment, it was just like, oh he's done, and it's like, oh I can't wrestle anymore. This is my favourite match in the series between the freedom up, the, the, the two of them, sorry, the third one. I think it was a great, I think it was a bit of the emotion on it, I mean, the fact is, well, Austin he came out and on his uh, on his jacket it had the OMR, the one more round Stanford mm-hmm. to pretty much say, yep. this, I'm going out, you know." I like the the Rock's promo on this. The, he was talking about because he was playing the Hollywood heel at the time, and he was doing the three acts. Yeah, the three acts. Yeah, I've learned in Hollywood what happens in the first act doesn't matter. What happens in the second act doesn't matter. Better. It's the third act. That's what, count, uh, it's, that's what counts. It's a fine promo. He, he, he did some great work at this spell, The Rock. Yeah. He was very, very, very good. It was the last moments of the match after he pins him. The part of The Rock turns around and says, Thank you and I love you. Yeah, yeah. you can kind of yeah. see Rock kind of goes over the top. Did see the documentary afterwards? Yeah. The Rock went into the room and that's kicked right, all yeah. the camera guys out. It was just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice moment. And very fitting that that was the end of Stone Cold's career. So that's his kind of thing. A journey in, Stone, in Austin's career. Before we, as we round up the sh- today's show, I thought it'd be good if we went round the panel and everybody quickly gave their favourite moments of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm going to start with Ross. <laughs> I think just for what it did for wrestling, it's it's not been touched since the WrestleMania 17 main event. Although the ending is questionable and why did we turn Austin heel? It's just, it's the biggest match ever, in my opinion. Alan? Mine is probably when he came back and took out the alliance himself. Oh, that was great. And it, was I mean, and it was a lot of botchy moves and stuff like that, and, and sometimes you're like, well, that's bad, but it was just the sheer excitement it brought, and the fact that one man took out the entire WCW, ECW lineup. Seven Brilliant. Stone Cold It wouldn't have happened if Sting, Goldberg, Hogan were all there. Yeah. <laughs> nah, probably not, no. Andy? Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, obviously, the 316 promo, mm-hmm. a few of them at man, uh, the return at Backlash. Oh, you mentioned you mentioned this in the Raw show actually. Yeah. The, the stuff about when they announced it actually. Yeah, it was just great. But just the it's just that glass shattered every time when he just come out. Everyone knew it, and it just the biggest pop of the night. Oh, it's superb, David. Well, I've said it before on a previous show, and I'll say it again. It's got to be the Samboni and the beer truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that beer truck was probably Attitude Era as its finest. Yeah, oh, beers for everyone, and you know just rebellion against the boss it was it was just a peak moment see I love the beer truck but I still prefer Kurt Angle in the milk truck <laughs> <laughs> I think the milk truck works better because Kurt Angle was a goofy character yeah and it was oh just- do you know what just occurred to me remember there was that segment with Austin Angle and McMahon and Kurt was playing the guitar going oh, Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care so with the cowboy hats yeah yes. with the cowboy hats yeah, that, that was something I meant to bring up sorry just the fact that did we want to boo Austin how could we boo him when he's giving Kurt Angle tiny cowboy hats and he's cutting about with Vince McMahon, you know, going to rodeos and all that? You know, mm. Deborah's making cookies, you know, it was just, it really was a confusing time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Quacko? Uh, um, a couple for me. CEO Austin, loved it. Especially going around the offices. And this is an odd one, but I love this segment 
was Raw Homecoming when he stuns the whole McMahon family. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the particular part where Shane gets to the ring, doesn't even have time to do anything. <laughs> yeah. straight into a star. It's just brilliant. Oh, sorry, can I add one more? Sorry, just before you Quite, get go for it. Yeah. The reaction to when Bret Hart comes out in the rumble, he's chucking oh, people out oh, left, right, and centre, and he's he's timing himself, and, and then it's just his look of panic, he's overacting look of panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's great. And it's just uh, that that was you know the continuation of that food, and I thought it was brilliant. I've got loads, but I'm narrowing down to two. One when he interrupts JBL signing the contract to ref Cole and Lawler. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, brilliant. And who can forget? January 1999 when he helps Mankind win the WWF oh, title. Yeah. The pop that everybody held. <laughs> Best pop ever. I could have named so many. His third Rumble win, I love that as well. Yeah. How he needs the, the chair to beat Kane. Three time Rumble winner, multiple time WWF champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We could have talked about you for hours, but we've managed to do our best in an hour and a half. So I hope you appreciate it. And with that, that is the end of this latest edition of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. If you've listened to us for the first time and you've liked what you've heard, like us on our podcasting networks. We are on iTunes for Apple and on Anchor for Windows and Android. Also, we are on all social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Next week, we'll be continuing the road to WrestleMania as we outline the best and worst WrestleManias. It was a show you thought you were going to hear last week, but it's next week because Dave botched it. Yep, the modern day botcher rages back at the hosting panel next week. <laughs> so join us next week at the usual time of 5.30pm, fusiontakeover.com to say best and worst WrestleManias. We're going to go full on on the road to WrestleMania with that show. We've also got a WrestleMania quiz coming up in the coming weeks, plus the actual big preview of WrestleMania itself. The Wednesday before, plus potential specials since we now know that we can record remotely on a phone on the toilet. Good <laughs> <laughs> old anchor. I was, on, I was in my room at this point, I decided not to record on the toilet. Quack out, <laughs> run out this room when this finishes. <laughs> from, from us here at Suplex Retweet, I've been Stephen Wilson. I've been David Hotney. I've been Andy Mitchell. I've been Arnold Lucas. I've apparently been on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to click the set, it's my last show as well, for a while. Yes, Andy's doing some wrestling training for a few months, so he'll be back once he's fully trained. Yeah, there we go. A couple of our guys do wrestling training, so good luck to them. Mm-hmm. And also from Quacko. Goodbye. Yep, we will. <laughs> for the last time ever, apparently. Yes. <laughs> You're next. Catch us next week, see ya.